2: Hi, I'm John McEnroe I'm Bjorn Borg This is Martina Navratilova I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt I'm Andy Murray And you're listening to the Tennis Podcast I'm here again be- behind the Amazon Prime Studio desk, the more I hang out here, Catherine, the more I like it because uh, it's uh, you know you've got a good view of the practice courts. Uh, good view, yeah,
0: on the practice courts. I know. Mm-hmm.
2: I tell you what, we could have a game. You don't seem to.
0: I'm sure the USDA wouldn't mind at all.
2: No, no, I say. bear in mind that
0: Greg got in some trouble, a former finalist, did he, for trying to hit on the on one of the courts earlier in the week. I don't...
2: Daniela's over there, Daniela Hantakova. I'm sure she could pull a few she strings. She could
0: get away with it, yeah. I'm sure.
2: She'd she pull a few strings for us. Uh, anyway, we've had another day, and another day of certainly one significant upset. First of all, Catherine, I feel as though we, we need to get your take on what happened last night, because I, I spoke to Simon Briggs, of course, late last night, uh, in the depths of the night, uh, at 2.30 in the morning. We've had a, a night to ponder on it. We've We've heard... Through Mary Joe Fernandez on TV, that actually Roger Federer physically was was struggling even before the press conference, and he had to sit down and try and get his breath back, uh, and he was he was really struggling. But we lost Sharapova and Federer, which 24 hours ago when we were stood here, that would have seemed ridiculous on the face of it, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, well, what happened with the Federal match was that uh, I fell asleep. <laughs> I uh, decided to go to sleep, and it was a set-up and cruising.
2: She had done uh, a 12-hour day by that point.
0: <laughs> I uh, woke up in the middle of the night, check, checked the results, um, registered it, and then when I woke up in the morning I remembered that I'd woke up in the middle of the night and checked the result and just assumed that was a dream and it wasn't until I uh, got into the taxi and read my stream of messages uh, from various different people about what an upset had happened that I checked the score again in a state of full consciousness and uh, (laughs) realised that I'd probably better watch the replay of that match which I did pretty much in full Um, so that was how unbelievable I found the whole thing I literally thought it was a dream Um, and yeah it wasn't up to it physically Federer and um, we've been saying we've been saying for, for 10 days now that how you deal with conditions like that doesn't necessarily relate to fitness so I don't know whether we can draw any conclusions about Federer's five fitness as a result of that match. All we know is that it seems, whereas with, you know, for example, Djokovic, we know he's incredibly fit, but he has also always struggled with conditions like that. I can't remember seeing Federer ever look anything like he looked last night. I mean, his shirts were drenched through. We barely ever see him break a, a bead of sweat. So... It looked pretty extreme to me relative to normal Federer in normal hot conditions, which he seems to brush off like they're nothing. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I've said it on air a couple of times today that John Millman gave the first ever interesting pre-match interview. You know those ESPN interviews they do before they walk on court? I mean, first of all, he looked so relaxed like that he looked like he was about to fall over. He was so relaxed. Um, and second of all, he said, look, I, I know what i got to do. I've just got to make this physical. And he made it physical.
2: Isn't that interesting? And he, and he won. Well, yes. well, I mean, I wonder whether Leighton Hewitt had had a chat with him about that pre-match. I mean, obviously, he's got all the experience of him. But how... How fascinating that he had that view ahead of time, and that it paid. It it, 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 it ended up like that. Roger
0: Federer after the match compared him to David Ferrer, and um, we had him in the studio earlier. And I asked him about that, and he was so completely bowled over by that comparison. He said, "For me, that's the best possible comparison. You know, for me, that's bigger than you know being compared to even." people of of greater achievements than David Ferrer because that's who he aspires to be somebody that ekes out every little every little last iota that their talent has given them yeah. and uh, yeah he said about 400 times Roger didn't have his best match I know that but that's because of the m- match that he made it he recognised that Federer was stru- struggling he recognised that was that was something that he had over the great great Roger Federer and he used it and he exploited it and it was a tough watch seeing Federer bail out on points the way that he was because he was he was bailing out on points um, yeah, it's, it was a tough watch but Milman made it into the match that it was and richly and he deserves deserved immense it. And credit it, for that.
2: His backstory is incredible, isn't it? When you think back three or four years ago, that he he had to give up the sports because of a shoulder surgery, and and he was he was in an office job, wasn't he?
0: He was working as a mortgage broker. He was working nine to five as a mortgage broker in Brisbane. He was getting the city cat into work around about the same time as my dad was commuting on the city cat into work. So it is quite possible that David Whitaker and John Milman shared. <laughs> Shared more than one City Cat ride together. But he probably wasn't very noticed. He probably just blended in with the crowd, didn't he? Well,
2: he would still now. He's he's that sort of bloke, isn't he?
0: Oh, I mean, he he was booked to come to our studio. And usually, you know, they arrive with a massive entourage. Somebody, even a relative unknown after a big upset win. Um, I remember um, Marco Trungoliti at the French Open remember him when, yeah. did, when did anyone last talk about Marco Tringoliti but the, the, the guy that got in the car with his mum and his nan and got in at the last minute he did this um, extraordinary media tour after he won his first match and suddenly he had an entourage of about 400 people well John, <laughs> John Millman just wandered over to our studio after the practice and, and uh, wandered over to Greg Rizetsky, who happened to be in here and said uh, I think I'm supposed to be coming to chat to you guys yeah. you, do you want me now? We're <laughs> like, yeah. okay, yeah, great.
2: Yeah, no, lovely fella. Um, so that happens, and uh, we obviously lost Maria Sharp over, which actually doesn't feel that big a shock, does it?
0: Only because of her head to head against Carlos Suarez Navarro. I, d- I mean, I, her level's so far off. The fact that she looked. To me, it was more a bit surprised that she got that far than that she lost last night. I mean, she has got serious work to do. Suarez Navarro breaking her serve at will, her movement isn't there at all. She was. The reason she was making so many unforced errors is because every time she was made to move, she had to go for broke because she knew she that's all she could do. It was all shots to nothing for Sharapova. Mm. So uh, this next off-season, this next period, is going to be a test of her commitment to tennis because it's going to be m- as much required of her as there ever has been to, to try and get back to the sort of form... To even compete for slams, to even yeah. be in the conversation, I because think, the thing so. is,
2: unlike when she when she came back after the the drugs ban, there was clearly just this determination to just show us all, frankly, and to to go out on her terms, all the rest of it. Well, it's just not happening at the moment. She's playing the sport, but she's not really a factor at the moment. No matter how hard the USDA might try to make her a factor by putting her on the night sessions on the Arthur Ashe Stadium, she she lost Handley last and- night.
0: Carla suarez Navarro, David on her 25th birthday I don't know if you and Simon covered this last night but on her 25th she spent her 25th birthday getting double bageled here by Serena Williams and she's been her 30th yeah. birthday a couple of years
2: ago wasn't it, yeah. beating
0: Maria Sharapova I'm so pleased for
2: her yeah well she's one of those unsung heroes of the tour isn't she great player to watch just got so different in the way she plays the sport and uh, yeah it was, it was a really well earned victory and, and so good for her now the match that's currently being replayed on can, Prime Video—you can probably hear the commentary in the background—is—is Sloane steven Can
0: I just interrupt to question your maths, David? Go on. I said last night it was her thirtieth birthday, and on her twenty-fifth birthday, she was—and you said was that—that that was a couple of years ago.
2: Well, wasn't it two years ago when she got no, well, double bageled?
0: It was five years ago.
2: Oh, yeah, I did get because it was did get thrown out of maths, so <laughs> not that surprised. Right, anyway. Anyway. Um, so anyway, Stone Stevens against uh, Anastasia Sevastova. Is that what we're calling her? Oh Sevastora. dear, we're
0: calling the whole thing off, David. Yeah,
2: we're not doing so well with the old names. Um, we've,
0: we've, we've got Lewis Armstrong because James Blake has intervened. Yes, well done James Blake. had the last say as far as I'm concerned. Has, it yeah. is Lewis Armstrong.
2: Ends. Um, Stevens has been beaten today. She never looked herself today. Partly... I have to say, her opponent just bamboozled her. And bear in mind that they played each other exactly the same stage a year ago. Classic match, seven-six in the third to Stevens. And this time, you I don't know. I was still kind of waiting for that sort of comeback. But Stevens, throughout the whole match, was was turning to her box. She was down on her haunches. She was she was lost out there. She was struggling in the heat later revealed that she'd been suffering from a sinus infection, um, which it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we were talking about yesterday how Novak Djokovic was, was at pains not to start blaming anything um, for how he was feeling. But
0: that was after he'd won in straight sets. Yes,
2: But you, you often see, though, don't you, players... And we've seen Federer and Nadal, we've seen all sorts of players not want to blame injury, illness or anything because they... I are worried about being you know, being perceived as 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 complaining about, you know, or or, or sour grapes or not giving credit to the opponent, etc.
0: Yeah, but I think after if you after you've lost two and three as the defending champion, I think it's, I think it's acceptable to have some sort of. I'd rather
2: hear the real explanation.
0: Truth, yeah, I, I think I, I think it's more. I, I get why Djokovic didn't want to because to to beat someone to beat someone in straight sets and then say yeah yeah I had this and this problem out there that is less gracious, I think that's less cool, but yeah, I'm all right with Sloane Stevens having a reason for what you know it wasn't like it was a hard battle and she got you know just squarely beaten. she did get squarely beaten, but she was she was not there today. she wasn't the same player no. I mean watching it back here I mean she did well to well depending on how you frame it on one hand she did really well to keep an, a lid on it all because she must have been so frustrated with how it was yeah. going but on the other hand maybe she needed to not keep a lid on it all I, do, mm. I don't know
2: it was quite interesting I mean we talked about Kamal Murray her coach yesterday who was leaning over the barrier he was almost toppling over onto the court so he was so determined to try to get in her head. I mean, you know, some people even said to me, isn't that coaching what he's doing? And you could argue that that he was trying to influence her mindset in a way that perhaps he shouldn't have been allowed to. But she just looked troubled throughout the whole match. She looked, you know, some players, and it, the same thing happened definitely with Federer last night. These these players of just supreme ability who suddenly look Uncoordinated out on a tennis court, I, I find that really troubling as a viewer to see somebody who's that good struggle.
0: Turns it, yeah, it turns the world on its axis, axis, doesn't it? It's like seeing Federer sweat. Mm. I, d- I don't. <laughs> the world isn't what I thought it was.
2: It's like when Nadal sure. lost all the confidence in his forehand. It's Nadal's forehand, for yeah. goodness' yeah. sake. There
0: I'm are struggling. some constants in life yes. that should not be shaken. No, it's... and Sloane Stevens' movement is one. It's
2: like if I Raff got is forehand down and in the dumps.
0: Lack of sweating.
2: Yeah. No, I don't know. Um, but Sevastova's game, I thought, was just honed to perfection. Her tactics were absolutely bang on. Her coach was in tears at the end. I mean, it was really quite moving. But what... What I noticed in the second set was I was commentating on the second set of this match and we're we're seeing it now as she went two love up Sevastova and it looked, it was just plain sailing, everything was going absolutely perfect and then there's a moment midway through this second set where Sevastova suddenly realises what's happening that she's on the brink of her first ever Grand Slam semi-final and I think she missed about five shots in a row that frankly I could have made and, all right, no I couldn't made them but she she didn't make him either, and she's the world number whatever. Uh, so I think, I think to overcome those nerves in that moment when there's 20,000 people desperately trying to make the other player win, huge credit deserves. Agreed,
0: but then Sloane Stevens didn't do enough to put the pressure on. At that point, when you see that your opponent is feeling it that badly, you've just got to keep the ball in court, haven't you? You've just got to make a play, and... Stevens just couldn't do that today. The drop shot. she, she was unable problems, to do it. Right? But yeah, I mean, it was a tactical masterclass. She's not afraid to get in people's faces. She's not afraid of being the bad guy on court. I mean, the the, the crowd didn't exactly um, fall in love with Sevastova today, no. did they? I mean, Daniela in this to, commentary they? that we're hearing called her um, behaviour unprofessional.
2: Really? When
0: she was doing her argument with the umpire, she said she she definitely can get unprofessional on the. In court. what regard? the the sort of picking fights about things the um she's quite irritable out there isn't she and um, well she gets
2: very upset sometimes she does
0: i mean i'm 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 fine with people showing their emotions out there but she did seem to i couldn't quite overhear what it was about but midway through the first set she did just seem to pick a big fight with the umpire over not much at all um she should
2: get herself on twitter perfect (laughs) platform for all that my word um (laughs)
0: David's it's,
2: it's, had a tough 20 I've had a tough few hours. You, honestly, there's one or two people out there. That there just, is
0: no defeating internet stupid, David. A yeah. very wise person once told me that. vast
2: majority of you we love dearly, but some. So there's one or two. Crikey. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, Sevastova, um, I, I, I felt halfway through, I just wish statistics revealed a drop shot statistical count because she must have hit double-figure winners just on drop shots alone I mean it was it was it was astonishing what she was doing and actually on her serve very unusual statistic she'd only got about 30 percent points won when she got her first serve in, in the second set and she got a hundred percent record when she got her second serving in terms of points won very unusual but I think it just shows that she's got more behind it and uh, you know she's got she just bamboozled Stevens, and, and that takes some doing against an athlete like this. But I agree with you. Stevens today, okay, I don't know how she was feeling. She was obviously not feeling very well. But relatively speaking, she was mentally weak today.
0: Without question. What we're seeing now is the resurgent moment at the start of the second set when she broke back um, to make it 1-2 uh, at yeah, the start of the second set. And we, we did a big old celebration from her there. But that was... Those moments were few and far between, and she wasn't able to capitalize on that. I mean, yeah, I mean the mental and the physical is so inextricably linked, and she was feeling it today physically. But she's played in the heat of the day as much as anyone so far this tournament, yeah. and she seemed to cope with it effortlessly on effortless. Yeah, yeah, uh, on other days. Um, so I, I don't. This is a. This is a puzzler for Stéphanie Stevens. I don't know what she does with this victory. She's got to find a way to, uh, with this defeat rather. Sorry, I've got Mark Petrie's commentary. We've got, we're trying to sort of talk about a match that's happened in the past over live commentary <laughs> of it. Um, yeah, she's just got to find a way to sort of put it in a box and see it in a vacuum yeah. somehow because yeah. that's what it feels like. It feels like just, just one of those weird weird results
2: Sevastova now plays either Serena Williams or yes, Karolina Sol- Pliskova I'll come back on a bit later to talk about that uh, depending on how it goes um, after that we had Juan Martín del Potro beating John Isner in four sets and I mean to be honest it went pretty much as I thought it would I thought they might do it the other way around but a lot I thought,
0: of I thought around Isner would
2: win a set but it was so noticeable Isner won the first set on tiebreak. second set there was a moment at about 2-1, 3-1. I think he got go- broken for 3-1. And he looked up at his support team and he just sort of looked at his legs and he just shook his head at them. As a, and, you, and I thought, his his body is not up to this. He cannot win this match, in my view. I mean, actually, he pushed Del Potter a heck of a lot closer than I thought he would because I went out there at the during the second set because I wanted to sort of gauge what what the crowd support was like, because I think there's, there's an, there is an assumption that Del Potro, being so popular, would get the greater crowd support, and certainly they were incredibly loud, those that were supporting him, but John Isner had the bulk of the people there backing him, an American audience, a rather more polite audience, and, you know, certainly less demonstrative. Um, but it was quite clear once Del Potro had won that, got that break he was going to win the second set and I thought he would race away with it and fair play to John Isner he took him to a third set tiebreak but Del Potro I mean he, he really we know how he he's good at sort of milking an occasion a bit and working a crowd he also works the umpire and the you know it's all it's all just above board but he may, he goes off for basically a heat break at the end of every set. You know, he's
0: got his own official cheer squad now that he's flown flown up from Tandil in Argentina, um, and sort of lead the chorus of Del Po.
2: Yeah, and, and that- uh,
0: yeah, Tom Rinaldi from ESPN has called them the Tandil Ten, which sounds like a so, sort of group of people that have suffered some terrible miscarriage of criminal justice. Or a, <laughs> Doesn't it?
2: Or a um, pop group
0: the Tandil 10 no it's it's like you know free the Tandil 10 is what it sounds like to me but anyway and they are just conducting this whole crowd it sends shivers down my spine every time I hear it and we could hear it reverberating out of the Arthur Ashe Stadium and over it. something about that noise just carries and it, it it sends shivers down your spine even if you're not a Del Potro fan I think you've Got to be pretty hard of heart not to be,
2: yeah, Um, or
0: certainly not to. You could have been supporting John Isner today, but surely you've got to take some pleasure in seeing this guy. Well,
2: it's difficult to bear ill for to towards Juan Martin Del Potro, I think. And although
0: he's doing it for his dead dog, David,
2: (laughs) yeah, well, that's doing it for
0: Caesar. That'll
2: always work with you, won't it? (laughs) Although I've picked Nadal to win this title at the start of the tournament, having seen the tennis I've seen so far, I, I do feel that it's going to be Del Potro now. I mean, It does
0: feel like this. there's this irresistible sort of force behind him somehow. I know there is no logic to that, and the most recent example of everyone feeling that way was Serena Williams at Wimbledon, and... That was so much kind of heart over head story, mm. the want for the story over. But Del Potro's tennis is is backing it up, and crucially, David, he's played today rather than tomorrow. Yep. Top half of the draw, which means that he gets two full days off now. He won't play until four p.m. on Friday. Is that right? Yeah, earliest is four p.m. on Friday, which wow. is massive for Del. That po. is
2: interesting. Uh, he is like a superhero, isn't he? I mean, he is like Thor. a very
0: sloth-like one between points. Never have you seen two men with such an explosive game, both their games, who move less explosively between
2: points? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I you well. just
0: dropped in on the match in between a point, you would not think they were professional athletes. You'd Do you think they when sort you, of got uh... lost.
2: Do you remember when you played me? What I, what I moved like between points? <laughs> yeah, but you
0: didn't have the explosive game.
2: No, I sort of moved the same between the points <laughs> as I did during the points. Uh, however, I'm still banking on my rematch, and I've got my uh, I've got my Wilson racket ready. Uh, I didn't get sponsored to, or anything or paid to say that, uh, but. Uh, because I'm, I'm an irrelevance, really, on the, nationals, on the international scheme of things. Uh, anyway, uh, we're waiting for the night session. Catherine has uh, just got a bit more presenting to do. Then she's going to go home. Uh, I'm going to stay and do commentary. And, uh, and then I'll come back on, on the tennis podcast, to tell you all about what happens in the evening sessions.
1: Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live.
2: Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners eighteen free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for eighteen free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Several hours later, in Catherine's lobby, and Catherine and I are in the middle of the fifth set, watching Rafael Nadal against Dominic Team. We've already been to the pub. We've already had beer. We've already had dinner. We've already watched Serena Williams, and Serena Williams was successful, Catherine. But who's going to be successful? Four million years ago, (laughs) who's going to be successful in Dominic Team against Rafael Nadal? First of all, it's two sets all. Let's let's start with Serena Williams. Um, Really? Yeah. Yeah, let's start with Serena Williams, because she was first in the evening. Okay. And, uh yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's my decision. She uh, beat Karen in a Pliskova. What was the score in the end? It was about 6-4, 6-1?
0: It was 6-4, 6-3 six, 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 in the end, six but four, it six felt three. like 6-1 in the second set, yeah. because Pliskova had clearly just given up any hope of winning it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, but- it. yeah, I, I mentally it was poor from Pliskova today. It was poor. weird, wasn't it?
2: Because the, the, in the first set, uh, Serena was all over the place the first half a dozen games. There was a point at which she'd hit eight winners and 19 unforced errors. And actually, Pliskova had hit many more unforced errors than winners as well. It was it was not a poor, not a good quality start to the match. And then Serena really started to pick it up and, it, and middle the ball.
0: It was four all. Um well, I mean, first of all, Pliskova had had the break of serve, but then Serena leveled for all, seemingly very competitive. You thought game on, and then Serena went up a gear, won the first set, and Pliskova decided, all right, it's over now. I mean, uh, did did you did you think from the way she was behaving, she thought there was any chance of? of I mean. Uh,
2: the way she was playing, I think there was no way that she thought she got a chance. I mean, li- spe- listening but, to her afterwards, yeah. I read some quotes from her that she just said, I, I just couldn't feel the ball. It just wasn't happening. And I think the, the problem with her is, if it's not it. happening, she doesn't yeah, find a way to like win. there's
0: a resignation in that, it's like, that you just can't afford. And if she's okay with not reaching Grand Slam semis, finals, and, and winning them, that, then fine. You know, it's the old... They don't owe us anything, point. If she's okay with that, she can live with it. But I, I, it, that you don't see that in top players, that kind of resignation. Well, if you consider,
2: you and I know Simona Halep's got some failings in terms of her mental strength occasionally, and she's had emotional issues on a court, and she's let that get the better of her. But think back to that French Open final and how she was being dismantled by Sloan Stevens, and she just couldn't find the answers, and yet she did not go away for a second in terms of the mental application. She just kept trying, and eventually she found the solutions. I'm not saying that Carolina Plishkova was not trying to win points, but she was not trying to find solutions.
0: No, she, she wasn't. She was
2: just doing what she did she, all and the And she was through. just
0: hoping it started to work. Yes. Um, but, but without any <laughs> real you didn't get the sense that there was any real belief that it would start working. It was hope rather than belief. And I'd love to know what Conchita Martinez said to her after that match because I doubt she would have been very pleased with that at all. I mean, she's she's ruined her perfect Grand Slam
2: coaching record for yes. one. You would struggle to find more different types of approach to a game actually yeah. than those two, wouldn't you? Um, Martinez Which I
0: Plushkaver. Which I assume is why Plushkova brought Martinez on board to bring yeah. a bit of the Martinez to
2: to the Pliskova.
0: So presuming that means she's got to swallow whatever Martinez has had to say tonight yeah. which I don't know I, d- I don't know how you can say anything hugely hugely positive you know you can't put a gloss on that, that mm. she, there were chances in in, in that match yes yeah, Serena upped her level but she just let her completely run away with it um She's
2: flatlined, hasn't she, really, Plishkiva? Because if you think two years ago she reached the final I think, here, and I
0: think a bit worse than that. Uh, do you think is, she's as good a player as she was two well, years ago? The serve doesn't look is good to me, or well, certainly not as reliable.
2: She's in a rough run of form. Of that, there is no doubt. I mean, that six months she's she's currently tenth in the race to Singapore. That that tells you everything. She's ranked eight. I mean, a year ago she was she was just finished being ranked number one so it it has it has tailed off pretty dramatically Serena what did you think of her performance she's got she's got Anastasia Sevastova next
0: I thought it was ropey to start with definitely ropey Um, but the the the, crucially she's got the gears now she's got the gears which she didn't have at Wimbledon she doesn't panic either yeah exactly Exactly, she knows it's there, doesn't she? She knows the the fitness is there, the form is there, and she trusts herself more um so Savasara is tricky, we, we know she's tricky, but um, so I don't expect that to be a procession. I don't I think, yeah, I think Serena's going to have to do some figuring out, um but I do think Serena is going to win that,
2: yeah. Now, uh, Hey,
0: I thought Federer would beat John Millman, so...
2: <laughs> we thought lots of things today and yesterday and all <laughs> David we... thought
0: he'd get an early night. Yeah, I all, thought Petra Kvitova was going to win the title. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, it is what, I'm just going to get the exact time, David. It is five minutes past one in the morning. We, I mean, we were hoping that <laughs> we'd be able to bring you a result. We've been hanging on and hanging on.
2: yes. We have. But
0: alas, Dominic Three hours team. <laughs> and
2: 50 minutes later It's currently two sets all One set all, uh, one game all And team is about to go 2-1 up yeah. So tell us about this this match, Catherine Because the, you, you saw the first set I didn't because I was I was, That's a big old I was on the bus
0: The first set was astonishing It was breathtaking <clears throat> I mean it literally did just taking my breath away talking about
2: it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was six love, six love to Dominic Team. Twi-
0: Twenty four minutes,
2: right? And was, was just it was Nadal? It was a highlight reel.
0: It was a highlight. He was he wasn't in the match. I mean, he just it just wasn't there. Like you barely noticed he was on the court. It was Dominic Team teeing off, redlining it, and everything going in, everything. It was like he had. It was like he had seen that slow motion replay of Denis Shapovalov's single handed both feet off the ground backhand that's gone viral over the past few weeks and gone nah I'm going to show you how it's done and it was it was was like everything could be clipped up for YouTube and uh, I mean Nadal was doing his best not to look completely startled by the whole thing frankly Um, and yet even through all of it you knew Rafa was going to come back you you knew you knew it wasn't going to continue it was almost like it it was almost like winning the first set six love it was too easy for him it was too Mm. you know not that he would have been taking anything for granted he's played Rafa enough to know that he was going to come back at him but
2: and Nadal did win that second set Um, the third as well didn't he he won the third set as well and yes I mean it did look at one stage that he would win in four but team had not that David was
0: hoping for that yeah I mean
2: look it it is quite an interesting conversation we had because you know Catherine and I are both tennis fans as well as working in the business we there's nothing more we like than an epic and a dramatic match and all the rest of it but I am at my wits end (laughs) and Really, I don't want any more drama. He's I got want that to, look in his eye. I want to go to bed. <laughs> and I feel the
0: same. I do, it is well documented how much I love sleep, David, and yet I can't shake off the instinct to always want a fifth set. Yes. It's that, like, as I said to you, I, unless England are playing, I always want penalties. Always. I want a brilliant match. I don't want a boring nil-nil and then penalties.
2: But this is where the, the, the final set tie break comes into its own, doesn't it? Because we're knackered, right? <laughs> and we want to still see the end of this. And you still feel like you can hang on. because yeah.
0: nobody in the stadium, on the court, or in the broadcasting booth slash hotel lobby is worrying about twenty six twenty four right now. No. <laughs> Which, I you suppose know, they might be elsewhere.
2: You could get twenty six twenty four in the... F- fifth set tie break I suppose
0: yeah I mean logically there is no actual reason why a tiebreak ever has to end
2: don't say that (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: I mean I I am confident that by the time people are listening to this podcast this match will have ended there's a prediction for you yes
2: because I've already (laughs) pledged that I'm going to carry on until it's ended and I will talk about it at the end um I tell you what, let's let's go on record right now. Who's going to win?
0: Oh no, I knew this was going to happen. See, oh, I've just got a feeling about Dominic team, David. So I. Uh, I know that's not logical. I know in a fifth set, kind of no matter who the opposition is, you have to go for Rafa. I do know that, and yet I feel like if Rafa was, I, I thought Rafa probably was going to do it in four, but now that he hasn't,
2: I think maybe
0: Dominic. Thiem.
2: Team. Yeah, I kind of thought that too. Uh, There's nothing day. about
0: the way Rafa's playing right now that's making. me I mean, he looks
2: rampant. He's playing well, it. isn't he? That's yeah, how, that, and that They're is both how well playing
0: brilliantly. And if it's that, this is what tennis is about, David. It's just too late, and we I mean, this this is absolutely. We are watching just. An absolute glory of a rally.
2: We are. And do you know what? I don't care about going to bed anymore. I'm up for it now. Come on, You look more up for
0: it than Gunter Bresnik does. Yeah,
2: he does look a bit... He's got his hat on. The hat doesn't uh, fit. It's all... I mean, he needs a stylist. Yesterday, at least it's a night match, so he hasn't caked on that sun cream. On his, that he did yesterday, um, but anyway, at least at least he's at least he's responsible with three hours
0: fifty five minutes on the clock.
2: Yeah, right. Okay, um, you have a little look to see what the order of play is tomorrow. I know that um, I think
0: I can tell you off oh, the top. Oh, can of my you head? really? Oh, let's yeah. hear it then. We start with Asaka against Lysia Serenko at oh, midday. Right. Before that, there's, we're showing on Prime. We're showing some uh, Jamie Murray doubles. Jamie Murray, Bruno Suarez. Against um, the quarter Radu finals, Albot and Malik Jaziri in the men's doubles quarterfinals. Yeah. Uh, then it's Asaka against Serenko
2: Yeah. I'm going Asaka.
0: I am too. She can handle the occasion. I am going for Asaka, but there is just a chance, I think, with Asaka that she will just rabbit it and the headlights crumble, and it could be a bit horrible. But don't think so. Then it's men's match. Nishikori Chilich rerun of the 2014 final.
2: Oh, that's a tough one to call, isn't it? I'm going Chilich.
0: Yeah, Chilich has gone on the record a lot about how much these the changing conditions doesn't suit him at all. Change in the court, change in the ball.
2: You mean how it's slower? Or yeah, all oh, right. He said
0: it was a lot better for me a few years ago.
2: That's interesting. Yeah. Should I go Nishikori then? <laughs> now I'm going Chilich. I'm going Chilich as well. Right, okay. Uh, and, and then in
0: the night session it's Keys against Suarez Navarro, which you'll be commentating on for Prime Video. Oh yeah. It is it's tennis podcast domination
2: tomorrow. Hey. <laughs> tennis podcast takeover. <laughs>
0: um so maybe you shouldn't make a prediction,
2: but I mean I make predictions. Madison right? Keys against Suarez Carlos Navarro. Suarez Navarro. Oh. Contrasting styles. Yeah, it's I'm going Keys. Isn't it?
0: I think I am too because um, she deserves me for me to predict her this time because I underestimated her last time and she proved me very much wrong. And then, David, it's Djokovic against Milman. And despite the fact that he pulled off the upset of the tournament, the performance of the tournament, I haven't found anyone that's picking him to, to even challenge no. Djokovic
2: tomorrow night. No, Bless neither have But I tell you, he's got, I don't know. I think he could make it competitive. I don't me think too. he'll win. But I think he'll make it competitive. Because he, he can handle rallies, can't he? I mean, he can rally all day, that guy. Djokovic in four. All right. Okay. Fine. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, at the moment, it is uh, two sets all and two games all, as we speak. You yeah. Guys, you better go This is a
0: special episode of soon-to-be-out-of-date tennis
2: news. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. People love that. All right, see, see you later. Well, in the end, it was Nadal who won. How about that? Two games all when we left it. Ended up in a fifth set tiebreak, and thank goodness for fifth set tiebreaks. If that isn't an advert for one, I don't know what is. It's nearly 3 a.m. and uh, well over four hours, four and a half hours of battle, and they finished it in a tiebreak. I'd love to tell you what the tiebreak score was, but I fell asleep at one point all, and I woke up with Nadal being interviewed by Tom Rinaldi of ESPN. Oh, dear. Uh, So I don't really know what happened in that tiebreak. Let me know at Tennis Podcast. Tell me what happened in the tiebreak. And then I can tell Catherine all about it tomorrow in case she fell asleep as well. Uh, That's it for us uh, here on the Tennis Podcast. Brought to you in association with The Telegraph, with Amazon Prime Video UK, the home of the US Open here. Uh, They'll be back on air. Catherine will be presenting from, I guess, 3.30 again tomorrow. Uh, Yes, she will. And... um, And then I will be on BBC Radio 5 Live as well. Uh, We are executive produced by Melanie Bowes, triple S, tennisballs.com. We have our mascot, who's our mascot? It's not triple S. Our mascot is Charlie the Ferret. And we are sponsored by the Manga Club. I think I've remembered everything. I'm going back to bed. Night.